Welcome to Elevate Health Podcast, sponsored by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington, and One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, a subsidiary of Elevate Health. This episode features a community care conversation hosted by licensed clinical social worker and therapist Kim Bjorn, Elevate Health's Director of Clinical Integration and Transformation. Today's conversation focuses on a new initiative in Pierce County intended to address a growing community crisis, access to behavioral health and mental health services and programs. Kim's guests are Heather Moss, Director of Human Services for Pierce County, Washington, and Richard Van Cleve, the county's behavioral health manager. Now, here's our host, Kim Bjorn. Hello, I'm Kim Bjorn, the host of this episode of Elevate Health's Community Care Conversations podcast. And I'm so lucky because I get to sit at the table today with Heather Moss, who's the Director of Human Services for Pierce County, and Richard Van Cleve, who also works for Pierce County Human Services as the um, Behavioral Health Manager. And both Heather and Richard are based here in Tacoma, Washington. And um, we all get to work together on the Behavioral Health Advisory Board. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. So for those of you who may not understand it, hopefully this podcast will kind of bring some clarity. Um, In December 2020, Pierce County Council approved a behavioral health tax designed to improve behavioral health education, early intervention, and prevention programs. Collection of this tax, which equates to one penny on every $10 spent, started back on July 1st in 2021. Pierce County experts expects, excuse me, to collect an estimated $12 million in tax revenues per year, and that may vary. Um, And this fund is to range around innovation, effective and culturally competent services, including Several things like community education, crisis and inpatient services. Um, We'll talk about all those things. We're not going to list them right now. So I'm going to start by asking, why was the Behavioral Health Advisory Board created? And what are the roles with the county and on that board? Both of you. So thanks, Kim, for having us with you this afternoon. It's pretty exciting to be here to um, talk in our NPR voices. So I'm Heather Moss, the Director of Human Services for Pierce County, and I am really excited to have this conversation this afternoon. Like you were saying before we started to learn a little bit more from Richard as well about mm-hmm. some of the details around behavioral health. I've been the Director of Human Services for about two and a half years now and am still learning a lot and have a lot left to learn around behavioral health. In fact, when I first started the job, it took me a little bit of a while to figure out that behavioral health really means mental health, substance abuse disorders, and conditions of the mind. And I think it's important for people to know when we talk about Mm -hmm. behavioral health, how it's different from physical health and some of the other impairments you might see on someone or on someone's body. Uh, So with that, one of the things that we realized or that I realized quickly after I came on board is that behavioral health, substance abuse disorders, mental, mental health issues, really permeate a lot of the social services that we provide Mm -hmm. or the needs that we see across our community, whether it's in our jail system or in our shelter, homeless shelters, or in the low-income populations that we serve throughout our community services um, programs. 
behavioral health is a big issue. Mm -hmm. And we are not alone in seeing that need. I think many of us across the community see that. And of course, our elected officials saw that as well and finally came to a point um, as you said, mm-hmm. late last year where they approved the new behavioral health tax. What was exciting about that tax is not only the passage of it, but the fact that we took a little bit of time to think about how to structure it so that it would be meaningful and well spent. And part of that came with the creation of this behavioral health advisory board. So um, I and other members of the um, of Executive Dan Meyer's office worked with county council staff and county council members to develop a whole ordinance that looked not just at passage of the tax, but also what is the structure we want to put in place so that we are really good stewards of those mm-hmm. dollars. So we created the Behavioral Health Advisory Board with the intention that we would have experts from across the community, across the sector of behavioral health services, really helping to do just that, to Mm -hmm. advise the council and advise the executive on how to best use these dollars and meet the needs of our community. Uh, they also, we, we, we also put into that, um, add into that ordinance, the behavioral health implementation plan that we'll talk about a little Mm -hmm. bit later too, which is again, an opportunity for us to really think deliberately and indicate in, uh, a very transparent way what the needs are of our community and how we should be spending these dollars. Great. Richard. Well, I don't have much to add to that. I know. <laughs> I'm done now. Yeah, that's great. No, no, I no, I, I, I think that's a great summary of, of what we hope um, the board to be um, a part of. And I think um, definitely the board has already been part of um, the behavioral health improvement plan development process, mm-hmm. has been very involved in that. And then as we move into next year and start um, our really intensive um RFP or request for proposal process, um, the board's going to be involved in the in the scoring and the selection and the prioritization um, as well. And then I think just going forward over the next um, several years, the board can help us kind of guide where we should focus our priorities and um, not just funding, but also I think um, like advocacy, where should mm-hmm. we focus our advocacy, workforce issues, those sorts of things. Yeah. I will share with the um, listeners that I actually am a member of the board. Um, I, I applied um, representing Elevate Health, and I was really happy to be chosen to be part of the board because it's something I have a lot of passion around. So, and you did a great job explaining that, Heather. There are other counties in Washington, more than two dozen, um, that have already act, enacted this tax. Um, have you learned much from their experiences and their outcomes? Well, I think this is a great question for Richard to answer because he actually comes from yeah. one of those counties. I know. Yeah. yeah so, so before coming to Pierce County or coming back to Pierce County, um, I worked with um, Kitsap County Human Services, and um, they enacted the tax about six years ago. And they have a really well-running program and a um, great staff in charge of that. So, um, But, you know, Thurston, King, um, Kitsap, there, there are some similarities as far as kind of what they're doing and some things that we'll do, too. Um, as, as far as outcomes, um, some of the commonalities are, you know, uh, reduced jail time, reduced jail recidivism, um, same thing, uh, reduced um, ER usage or emergency mm-hmm. department usage, um, academic success. So kind of the same things that we're hoping to see here as well. So, so what makes Pierce County different? I think 
Well, go, go ahead. We're, we're looking into a lot of those issues um, just across the human services department. One of the things that I find particularly fascinating is that we have a very large and growing senior population, yes. for example. So um, right now, it, well, as of 2020, one in five of our population was over the age of 65. That's going to increase to one in four by the uh, year 2030. So we have mm -hmm. a rapidly um, aging population, which is one thing, and that's um, perhaps not unique to Pierce County, but is uh, absolutely a, de a changing demographic that we need to be paying attention to and has implications to our behavioral health system. Um, I would say origin also we have a higher than normal um, veteran population mm -hmm. in Pierce County, which and and some of that come that veteran status comes with a significant amount of trauma. So I think that that's something that we need to be paying attention to in this world. We also, unfortunately, um, in the state, have the highest rate of out of home placement for mm -hmm. children in the foster care system in the in the child welfare system, is which is again comes with trauma and is something that we need to be paying attention to in our K twelve world. So I think those are oh, the, the other big one that I would add. Um, and this is just such a sad list that I'm mm -hmm. giving you. But another one is that we are very um, well situated for human trafficking. So yes. um, with the, the port effort, the port nearby and SeaTac nearby and the I-5 corridor um, and a lot of transient population and, and temporary population, all of those sort yeah. of come together to create this perfect storm where we have lots of need. But I, I think you could probably speak a little more to some of the details, Richard, around. No, no, that's a need. great that that's a great list. I mean, I th I think um, definitely those things. I mean, I, I also think of you know we have this rural urban mix. I mean, we mm -hmm. have definitely an, we're you know we're an urban county. We're sitting here in Tacoma, but you know Pierce County is pretty big, yes, and we want to make sure we we reach people you know out in the east part of the county mm -hmm. as well, and. Um, um, I, th I think that obviously, as as Heather mentioned, veterans um, is something that makes us unique. Um, we do there. There's some kind of metrics where we tend to do worse on than other parts of the state, such as overdose, um, overdose deaths. Um, our uh, suicide completion rate is is pretty high. Our mm -hmm. state's is high, and ours is higher than the state's. So, those sorts of things. Um, um, kind of tied to a lot of different factors. Those aren't simple things like to answer the question why here, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's much more complicated than that. Yes. There's socioeconomic factors and all that, but mm -hmm. um, so definitely those things. Um, yeah. I will share with you um, in, in living on the KP, the Key Peninsula, I'm very aware of the vast differences on living in, in an area, especially in an area where it is tucked away and it's yeah. surrounded by two other counties and it's Pierce County. And then you have LB, which is way out on Rainier. So yeah, it's a huge, vast area in which um, we're trying to serve. Yeah. And um, so that's why this board is really important. And so somewhat, what are some of the approaches that the board has used to gather information that would aid in developing strategies? addressing these community needs? So, you know, I think our, the, the board's first task really in this first six months has been to, to help develop the behavioral health improvement plan, which is really uh, kind of the biggest chunk of that is, is, is an assessment of the needs of the community. So when we, when we sat down and we're thinking, you know, okay, we have a short timeline here, how can mm -hmm. we get the most information possible? Um, one of the things we did was to do um, a community survey mm -hmm. Um, and so we did a survey, um, when we, um, didn't hear from some sectors, we reached out to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously the board itself also has um, a huge amount of experience. So, um, with our surveys, um, 
we ask questions as far as, you know, what's working, what's not working, what do you wish you would see more of? Um, we received a pretty wide um, kind of array of, of responses and, and from a wide array of kind of sectors. So mm -hmm. I think um, a quarter of our um, responses were from individuals who said they had lived experience in the system, which mm -hmm. is really important for, um, for us. And uh, we received quite a bit of feedback from NAMI, the National Alliance mm -hmm. on Mental Illness. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and law enforcement. I mean, so I feel like we got a pretty good snapshot of kind of what the needs were. Um, and on top of that, the, the county had just the year before in 2020 um, done um, with the Regional System of Care Committee, mm -hmm. um, done, a, done a pretty good um, regional assessment as well. So that was kind of our, you know, foundation and we built from there. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's something Elevate Health was very involved yeah, with, and actually that's that's how I even yeah. got my job here initially with right. Elevate Health. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Elevate Health podcast is a new series produced by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington. Elevate Health's mission is to build and drive community coalitions that result in better and equitable health care for all in Washington State and beyond. For more information, visit us at elevatehealth.org. So what do you think are some of the key takeaways from the current plan? Because um, as I was mentioning before, the focus is going to be on community education, prevention and early intervention, outpatient and community-based services, crisis and inpatient services, services for justice-involved justice populations, and housing supports for those with behavioral health needs. That is a lot with really, in essence, not that much money per year. Yeah, that was that was one of the things I was going to say that came out of my reading of the report is mm -hmm. we don't have enough money no. uh, for to meet the need. And we were all so very excited about the passage of this tax and still are. Uh, but and the good news is that the you talked about $12 million yeah. forecast of, of revenue received. We because the economy is doing so well, actually, mm -hmm. this is projected to go up to as high as $14 million over the next two years That's wonderful. Uh, per year, which is really exciting. So that gives us a little more flexibility. But I think we could spend that amount three times over. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think some of the things um, that we heard just from the survey process were, you know, um, the county um, has done a good job even before the behavioral tax of using local tax mm -hmm. dollars or what we call general fund dollars for, for crisis um, intervention type services, law enforcement involved, and, and people really want um, to continue supporting those. Mm -hmm. um, but we also heard, you know, don't just focus on crisis. So right. people were really interested in more um, um, early intervention or prevention education as well. Um, you know, we, we heard a hundred different ideas, obviously, but mm -hmm. to, if you if you could boil it down, it would be kind of don't just focus on one thing. Um, and um, on top of that, you know, there's a real need, um, and our department has done a great job of of um, of um, addressing the the homelessness issue. But um, you can address the homelessness issue, but you also need um, support for people with behavioral health. And mm -hmm. I think that's where this comes in too. Is um, this tax can help um, support programs for those who are facing homelessness or who are homeless. So um, we heard quite a bit about that as well. Yeah, we had Garen Island in yeah. um, to talk about addressing homelessness in Pierce County. A couple um, of things I'd add, Kim, in, in that 
regard into the in, about the question about the the mm-hmm. need is one of the things that's happening now with, as a result of this tax is much more commu- focus on community based services and um, putting the services where people need them as opposed to requiring people come into a centralized mm-hmm. location. I think the school program is a good example of that where we're putting dollars into providing um, mental health services at schools where kids are and where they where they need those services. So. Kind of jumping on that a little bit with schools, um, how are schools being identified to get those services? Because I've witnessed that every school district runs its own way. And so whereas one school district may be open and be able to get an alignment to get folks like from Consejo, who recently got awarded money to come and serve them. How do we get more of our school districts involved in getting behavioral health services involved? Because it's a big challenge as currently we're seeing other states continue to have unfortunate school shootings and other stressors that are just happening for kids in general. So there are 296 school districts across uh, the state, yeah. which means that there are 296 ways to address yeah. all of the different needs that they have in the K-12 system. We have a few districts in our county here that are fortunately big enough and have the economy of scale to be able to create their own in-house, if you will, mental health services. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we've been able to do with this, at least this first round of funding, is focus on some of the smaller districts that don't have that capacity. Right. No, yeah, that makes sense. And I, and I think looking forward into next year when we release the RFP, mm-hmm. um, more school districts could apply. Good. So, yeah. yeah. I just know schools are a place where families look for to help. And so right. they hear one school's doing one thing and another school may not be doing it. And so to explain that process, I think, is really, is really important. Um, any new ideas that are coming forward um, that we haven't addressed yet that you think are innovative that we might be jumping into? Yeah, I think the general approach will will definitely um, increase uh, the possibility of innovative ideas. One, one of the key kind of takeaways, too, uh, I didn't mention is um, – when we do the RFP, it really is going to be um, this competitive process where we're actually kind of asking the community, well, we've identified these these kind of problem mm-hmm. areas or these gaps in the system, and then asking um, providers to come forth with um, innovative ideas with how to tackle them. So, so part of it is we have a few ideas as far mm-hmm. as kind of like even the school-based itself was a new idea um, for our county, um, you know, and we have a new program that the um, council um, – um, identified in the executive, the it's, it's the rapid response or alternative response team, which is which mm-hmm. is similar to the co-responder model, yeah. but um, kind of at a lower level of crisis. So an individual doesn't have to be at the point where they um, are considering um, involuntary treatment mm-hmm. or not, but just maybe um, law enforcement goes out and they encounter somebody who really has some social service needs like housing or, or food or, you know, vouchers, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so we want to be able to, to fund that too. So we're already working with the sheriff and, um, and uh, one of the providers to do that program as well, hopefully starting in January. That's so. excellent. Another really cool idea that I'm excited about with this funding opportunity is step-down services. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of people that are either in community-based treatment or inpatient treatment. And what happens after that treatment is really critical for their long-term success. And we're seeing that particularly for the inpatient treatment programs, we need to have more capacity in our community mm-hmm. around 
ongoing supports to those individuals to make sure that their recovery is, is prolonged and successful. So we're looking a lot more at step-down services and step-down residential, potentially, facilities. That's excellent. And that is definitely a gap that we currently have in our system. So the fact that we're looking at that is wonderful. So, you know, we have this money. Like you said, we have all these ideas and all these needs. One of the concerns that um, I have heard is that funding a lot or funding wide and not really funding enough to get a program to sustain long enough to show positive outcomes. Is that something that's going to be discussed in, because of that factor. You know, people think like, well, we have all this money. Why aren't we funding all these programs? But then we've seen we'll, we'll get funding for a program that lasts a year and then it close up shop because enough, not enough referrals were coming in or some something it wasn't being um, referred out or, or getting out to the community enough. So is that something that's going to be considered? Yeah, yeah, that is that is definitely something that we'll consider. Um, there, there definitely is a kind of a philosophical debate there as far yeah. as how you do that. Some people talk about you know the peanut butter approach where you're spreading yourself too thin. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. Um, um, but one of the key things I think to remember about this tax is that it's 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 actually um, meant to identify gaps in the system. And yes. like one of the core kind of tenets of this approach is we're not going to cover things that are already covered by Medicaid or, you know, those sorts of things. So it's kind of identifying gaps. And sometimes gaps are small. Sometimes they're big. So um, kind of allowing this this approach where we go out there and we ask the community, you know, um, what is your idea? Now, it could be that, you know, an organization has a, has a great idea that will have high impact that doesn't cost that much. That's great. It's 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 good to have a certain kind of amount of funds set aside mm-hmm. for that, or just you know have that available. And then yes, there'll be these kind of bigger, larger scale um, projects as well. And and you're right. It is it is a learning experience. There yes. are programs that you're going to fund, and you realize you know okay maybe the need wasn't there. But that's kind of the beauty of allowing um, the the providers doing the work on a daily basis to say hey we're doing the work and we noticed this is a problem. Can we have funding for it yeah. as opposed to a more top-down approach where those of us who are kind of, you know, at the government level say, hey, we think you need this. You know, yes. it's, it's, it's a very different approach. I but. know. And I love it. <laughs> Just so you know, because the top-down approach really is too far away from the problem sometimes to be able to see where those gaps are. So I'm, I'm a fan. Um, so what do you think success is going to look like? You know, over the period of time, there might be, you know, different ways of what success will look like. So maybe in the first year, what are you, what are you anticipating? What would first year is that we um, get the dollars out the door yes. to programs that are able <laughs> to um, provide important services. I, I mean, unfortunately, we probably won't see a lot of long-term mm-hmm. impact in the first year. So it's, it's just, it takes time to stand up programs. It takes time for the interventions that we would be funding to take effect. But what I, I'm looking forward to seeing eventually in the next few years is a real decrease in the people on the streets that you see that you can just tell have mm-hmm. severe, untreated, chronic mental health issues that that needs something. And I'm really looking forward to ways that we can address that. We haven't talked a lot about homelessness today, but it sounds like you've had that, mm-hmm. had Garrett on the, yeah, on the call earlier or on this, on this program earlier. So that's where I'm really excited, but I know that there's a lot more that we're looking to a lot of the metrics that Richard talked about earlier. Yeah. And I think, um, on a, 
you know, the best information that we're going to get is going to be on a program specific level. Mm -hmm. So we always do want to look at things like the county's overdose rate or the suicide rate. Um, and those are important kind of community wide indicators. They, they're, they're better at kind of telling us where our problem is and where we should focus on something. Mm -hmm. Um, but no individual program is going to move, you know, kind of a larger number for a county of 900,000 people. But so we're, we're working really hard to, with with our providers and and going forward, you know, have an expectation of really strong metrics. So, um, again, program specific. So, if it's if it's a program that helps individuals who are facing homelessness, it's you know housing um, retention, or mm -hmm. if it's you know somebody who's justice involved, reducing those jail days. So, we'll look at that for those individuals who are involved and be able to see. And so, for me, the success is is you know do these programs work and should we expand mm -hmm. them? You know those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah. We'll be back with more of this community care conversation in just a moment. This episode is supported by One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, the investment arm of Elevate Health. One Pierce is a nonprofit community investment fund focused on improving whole person health, advancing health equity, and expanding health access for the people of Pierce County. To learn more, visit us at onepierce.org. So earlier when I was saying some programs are already, you know, functioning and are going to continue to be funded. So some of those programs like True Blood, for those of you who may not know what True Blood is, it is a court case that um, really set us up to having to provide different services for folks that have um, behavioral health um, issues that have impacted their ability to understand um, what crimes they may have committed and are kind of stuck in the system waiting for um, assessment. So it, is that one of those programs that you think will continue to be funded? Because I know that funding will be going away from that eventually. Yeah. So so um, the the advisory board, um, the council, the executive, I think everybody who's kind of been involved in this is very supportive of, mm -hmm. of, of True Blood programs. Um, the What we're going to do is when we do the RFP in – February, um, we will be um, including kind of that into that. So, so those programs will continue um, in in one form or another. We're mm -hmm. we're entirely yeah we're 100 dedicated to continuing funding for those programs, and we're going to continue to have county staff um, right. that will um, help manage that as well. Yeah. So. And I ask these questions mainly because it's what's being talked about in the community, and I really want people to hear the process. Um, because I think, again, people hear, oh, we have a tax, therefore everything is going to be funded, but there's a process. And there's a process for a reason, because we want to make sure we're funding the things that have good outcomes, that um, you know are, are hitting those metrics going forward. And, um, and some of these programs have been in, in motion for a while, so they're, they're kind of getting all the kinks out. And actually, we're kind of seeing the other side of that. Yeah, I, and I'm I, I, I'm excited too. I mean, one of the kind of um, things we're focusing on in our department is is value based purchasing, mm. and it's our goal to get 100% of our contracts under some sort of value based purchasing. So even all the existing programs, we've been talking to those providers, they've all been on board. Not even one complaint about it. So it's been it's been really great working with the providers here in Pierce County, um, and working on kind of metrics mm -hmm. and because so, you know we want to be able to show the council, the executive, and especially the citizens of the county, obviously, that, you know, what we're doing here, what we're purchasing is helping people. Yeah. So. 
And so for those of you out there that may be like, oh, he just lost me. What the heck is value-based <laughs> purchasing? You know, that's really how healthcare is moving, you know, up and and we're still in this. It's called fee for service. You get some, you know, you have something done, you get reimbursed a certain fee. Value-based purchasing, purchasing is having, you know, you get a lump sum to manage a life, no matter what those services are for that life. So um, it's just a different way of of really managing, and it, it's usually more economical and definitely has better outcomes. That's the goal. Yeah, focused more on outcomes, I yes. think, is key in what we're right. looking at from a county yeah. perspective. Yeah. Yep. So just want to explain that in a little more simplified way. Um so how would interested Pierce County residents learn more about the um, what we call the BHAV, the Behavioral Health Advisory Board, and access information about activities or attend these public meetings? So there's a website. Yeah. <laughs> so you go to any of your search tools and you put in there Pierce County Behavioral Health Advisory Board and you would find it. And on that you can see um, contact information for staff. There's an agenda. There's a calendar of when the group meets, um, min meeting minutes. I actually was looking at it earlier today and I couldn't find it right away. We should have the implementation plan up there, so we need to yep. pop that on yep. there at some point. Um, one thing I will say is that the... Um, Beacon Beacon mm -hmm. has a behavioral health advisory board. So just a note mm -hmm. that this is different from and separate than the yes. other behavioral health advisory board. This one is um, managed by uh, the Pierce County Human Services Department. Great. Um, and I will say Richard and Heather did a great presentation um, to the Pierce County Human Services um, group. When was that? A month ago? Seems like a long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Feel me, yeah, it may have been October. So for those of you who like to um, listen in on the county council and their different meetings, look for that one and I'll and it'll be a little bit more comprehensive than than this discussion. But um, and I anticipate there'll be a lot more discussions coming forward as um, as we get the monies, we make the decisions, we go with the RFPs and, and really commuting, communicating to the community where we're going next. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, you know, as we talk about this, we anticipate maybe some county officials um, or representatives are listening. What from this conversation is more, impo more most important for them to hear? Well, first of all, thank you. I mean, I, mean, I think yeah. it, it takes a lot of political capital to pass a tax, and yeah. that's always true. So this tax will not go to waste. There is a lot of need, and we are putting up a very deliberate system to make sure that we put the dollars in the right places. Yeah, 100%. And I, I was thinking the same thing. I, I feel um, very supported by the executive and all the council members. They've been great. They're, they ask a lot of questions. They're obviously um, very concerned about this issue. Mm -hmm. So no, it's been great. I'm, I'm definitely impressed with their support. I will. And it's not easy concepts. I mean, understanding our behavioral health system, it's, it's, it's a different language. It's a different understanding. And um, for them to dive in, and I, I'm glad that you know they're asking a lot of questions and um, really 
listening and bringing you in, Richard. I mean, I those of you who don't know, I'm a huge fan of Richard because of his background. Um, I think he brings a lot to the table, especially after um, help standing this up in another county. Um, and so we're lucky. We're lucky to have such great team working at this. Um, any other thoughts that you have before we kind of close up shop today? Yeah, you, I, I just want to comment on something you just said about mm-hmm. how complex the system is. One of the things that we've been trying to do is help help our constituency, help mm-hmm. our community understand that system. So another great tool that's on the Pierce County Human Services website is a navigation site. Yes. So you have lots of families who, with loved ones who are going through a mental health crisis, mm-hmm. and it's really complicated to understand how to get into the system and how to get appointments and how to just even where to start. Mm -hmm. So we have a great um, online navigation tool that I think helps lay out what the options are and what some of the first steps might be. So if anybody's in crisis, please um, take the time to look at that site as a potential resource. Yes. Um, We want people to get help before they are in crisis. And so um, if you're struggling, if you have a loved one that's struggling, um, definitely access and look at the county. You can also come to Elevate Health, elevatehealth.org, um, because we'll also help get you connected out there. Um, it is complex, and you have people around you that understand it that can be a good navigator for you. So before we leave, I want to ask you both, what gives you hope? You know, uh, I have hope, you know, working in this field. I've I've been a clinician. I've been at the government level. You know, I have family members that struggle with mental health issues and SED issues. And, um, you know, I, I have hope because, you know, I see how um, people's lives can change. Mm-hmm. I've seen that, um, how people can respond to help. Um, and I've seen people in, in some pretty bad situations who, who have been able to turn their lives around through their faith community, through the, through the help that we give um, through our system here. And so... Um, you know, whenever I see something that, that maybe other people might think, geez, this is, this is hopeless. I, I, I don't feel that way. I feel like, you know, as, as long as you're still breathing, you have a chance. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you. And I think Pierce County, I've said it before in other contexts, but Pierce County is such a cool place mm-hmm. because it's big enough where we have the capacity to do things that make a difference, but it's small enough that it really feels like a community where you get to know mm-hmm. people and your neighbors and your providers. And so I think that's just a, a nice place to solve problems. And so I want people to hear that there's hope out there, you know, that, you know, the behavioral health crisis that we're facing right now, with, which I think has been complicated with COVID, with lots of isolation, and, and as, as we're hearing um, statistics that are not going in the right direction, that um, there are people that really do care, and there are people that are in leadership positions. And um, we, we want to hear from everyone, and um, I really feel very blessed and thankful to be on the board with you, too. I think you're excellent at what you do, and um, just want to thank you for taking the time to come talk with us today. Well, thank you. You've got some hard work in front of you on the board now. So you might, you might not know that, <laughs> yeah. but Kim, you're hey, about I'm to... ready. <laughs> I am so ready. This is definitely my thing. I love awesome. getting my hands dirty. So well, we look forward to the partnership for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks.
Join us for more episodes of Elevate Health Podcast at elevatehealth.org. In each episode, we tackle core health issues that affect our community. This episode of the Elevate Health Podcast was produced by Kim Bjorn, Hannah McCauley, and Robert Marshall-Wells. The executive producer was Stephanie K. Wright. It was engineered and edited by Riley Eggie.